Welcome in one and all to the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News and co-host of Crimson Cover Television on WVUA 23. I'm joined as always by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at Bama Online, BamaOnline.com. 16, what are you, 16, 17-year vet of that role now? I think it's like almost 19 or 20, 2003. So 19, 19, 19. Yeah. I sold yeah. you a couple of years short. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Long I mean, time. it's easy to do. I look so young. <laughs> how, how could I possibly be 19 years into the stint? You know, <laughs> talking tide podcast available to you, wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple podcasts, also live on YouTube and Facebook. The Twitter feed of course is talking underscore tide. Click on that. Give us a follow. You'll get uh, links to all of our, podcast there and subscribe on YouTube as well. Quickly want to thank a couple of sponsors, Peter Brook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River, River Dental Associates, Raycon Earbuds, and finally DraftKings. More on those fine sponsors a little later in the program. Travis, we begin talking about Alabama's uh, resounding victory over ULM, 63-7, to the final score. Uh, home game for the Crimson Tide, one they took command of very early. Uh, 14-0 lead with less than five minutes elapsed. Uh, 28-0 lead with one quarter elapsed. And uh, not surprisingly from there, uh, we started seeing some younger faces on the field. Kind of the the, the takeaway and the, certainly the storyline from this game, though, Travis, is, has got to be that massive pile of return yards for the Crimson Tide school record 262 punt return yards we'll start there I guess right yeah about the damnedest performance I think I've ever seen from an Alabama punt return team in general because the returns were abundant I guess Kool-Aid McKinstry had a couple of 40 plus and Brian Branch decides hey let me get a shot at that he takes one back 68 yards for a touchdown but you also even blocked a punt with you Corey Brooks and Malachi Moore and so you know you look at the offensive yards and things like that at the half and you think wow it hadn't been that productive of a half by Alabama standards of late anyway but it's because they took care of business uh not only with the the special teams and the punt return unit in general specifically but defensively they got their first takeaway and it coincided with their first defensive touchdown of the season as well Chase. And on top of that, the the one time Alabama got to run back a kickoff, that went 57 yards from yeah. Jameer Gibbs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and total return yards, I guess they were over 300. And not to at, not to take anything at all away from the job Alabama did blocking on those returns, but you could see massive creases in those coverage units before. I mean, it didn't take great vision uh, or anything like that for Kool-Aid McKinstry and some of these other guys to – to weave through those coverage units. They were uh, undisciplined, uh, to say the least, I thought. Yeah, and at what point, if you're Terry, do you stop putting the damn ball back down the middle of the field? Kick it in the 13th row, you know? But, hey, you're Kool-Aid McKinstry and and these other guys, you you appreciate it because you're right. It did seem like uh, it was a slow-arriving punt coverage (laughs) unit for ULM. And then they were not exactly uh, disciplined, as you said, maybe in their coverage lanes. 
Big, big day again for Kool-Aid McKinstry in that regard. Uh, thoughts offensively first, Travis, uh, from you, Bryce Young's performance. Uh, maybe maybe a little shaky, right? A couple of picks. I guess one of the picks was not his fault. I think the deep ball is, is probably a ball he should not have thrown, certainly underthrown a little bit on that deep ball interception. Probably had more time to throw on that one than, than any – than any pass play I've seen from Alabama in a couple of years. Uh, and uh, he ended up trying to hit Isaiah Bond going across the field deep and, and underthrew it a little bit. Uh, but he, he he had some fine throws in this game as well. And, and of course, he played more than well enough to, uh, to hand it over to Jalen Milrow fairly early. Yeah, his best work was early and late in the first half. That opening drive. It was good to see Alabama get those outside guys going. Ja'Cory Brooks and Treshawn Holden, a couple of 29 and 33-yard receptions, respectively. And I like the yards after the catch because we talk so much about the vertical passing game and the down-the-field passing game for Alabama through three games. They haven't had much in the way of yak either, yards after catch. So to see Ja'Cory turn uh, kind of a dig route into a 29-yard gain after he goes – about half of that after the catch. And then Treshawn, uh, that was mostly, that was more than half of his touchdown catch. That 33-yarder was after the catch. And understanding the level of competition uh, wasn't Texas. But as we've said, we've made the analogy in the past, that's a part of this offense that needed to see the ball go through the hoop. And then the two-minute drill late in the first half. Cameron Latou, very big on that drive. And then you cap it with Amari Nyblack, a true freshman tight end with his first catch and his first touchdown catch of his UA career. So there were still some gaps there in the first half, uh, but early and late offensively, uh, I thought they they showed some real promise there and uh, some interesting things along that offensive line too, Chase. Yeah, some uh, some movement on that offensive line on the interior once again. You know, coming into the season, I think uh, the the fan concern and and I and I thought the same thing coming in that that tackle would be where we would see a lot of substitutions and maybe some some guys working in and out uh, more experience on the interior. You've kind of figured that those three might be fairly well said anyway. And it's just it's been just the opposite. We we've seen Tyler Steen and JC Latham uh hold it down with the ones uh since the season began. But we've seen some shuffling on the inside uh most recently against ULM with Tyler Booker. Yeah, and a promising young player in Booker. And you know, I thought it was interesting that we did see him as early as we did. On Saturday, jumped in there at left guard for Javion Cohen after Cohen got his first start of the season. And you thought, wow, maybe that's where the real competition is. But then you see him over on the right side, too, for Emil Echior. And I thought Nick Saban's postgame comments were interesting in regards to the guard positions and that continued quest to become more physical uh, across that front five. And, you know, watching Tyler Booker at IMG – Last season, he was a tackle and watching him at tackle, I had sort of some doubts or some questions anyway about how he would translate at that position to this level. Well, apparently the plan all along was to pretty much play him inside. Then I saw him in the Under Armour All-American game back in January where he played guard in that game. And it was like, yeah, 
you can see it now with this guy at guard and obviously a, a very impressive start to his Alabama career and, and something that we'll certainly monitor. And, you know, I got to think his presence also helps you with Kendall Randolph and making that decision to, you know, get him more involved again at tight end. Yeah, Kendall Randolph uh, wearing that number 85 for this game against ULM. That told you something uh, about what his role was going to be and, can spend, and possibly what his role will uh, continue to be. Uh, he, he's a proven asset as a blocking tight end, Travis. And if they've got enough confidence in whatever combination they throw in at guard, be it Cohen, Booker, Ekior, et cetera, uh, then, then, then maybe moving back out to tight end is, is where Randolph can help this team the most. Uh, obviously, they've got, you know, between Latou and Randolph and Oots and some of these young guys, Kitzelman, Niblack, they've got, they've got a wide variance of skills uh, among those tight ends. Obviously, Randolph is, is more or less an extra lineman who you'd expect to see in short yardage. Boots more of a, a an H guy who can move around, play off the ball, on the ball, and, and Latou, of course, uh, the receiving the top receiving threat of the unit. He he had a nice catch, by the way, on a deep ball. The only deep ball that that Bryce Young hit to anybody in stride uh, in that game against ULM was to Cam Latou. I think he had the long reception of the day for Alabama. He did, and that was part of that two minute drill and really helped spur that situation, that 93-yard drive or so that only needed six plays. And uh, No, they do. You're right. They have varying skill sets. Uh, but I think, again, when you talk about wanting to be more physical uh, with an emphasis on the run game, being able to utilize Kendall to go along with Cameron Latou, first and foremost, that's where you should get the lift. Yeah, no doubt. And, and a consistent running game is something that, that Nick Saban's talked about trying to get improved a couple of times. He, he first mentioned it after the opener against Utah State. Uh, and, and we saw against Texas, the running game was uh, kind of up and down. It's an area where Bryce Young, the receipt, everybody benefits. The passing game benefit. Everybody benefits when you push the, when you get a push and move the sticks a little bit on the early downs, keeping second and short, third and short. Uh, it's it's a big deal because now um, you're making those defenses come up a little bit, play a little bit more honestly. It opens things up for the wide receivers. Uh, we may be seeing uh, Nick Saban and Bill O'Brien trying to affect the passing game by improving the running game first. I think that's kind of what's happening here. Yeah, that that's obviously ideal. Um, you know, but I, I thought they still ran it better after the half. Now, again, they didn't run a lot of plays in the first half because offensively they just didn't have uh, the opportunities to do that. The second half was a different story, and that's when you saw the 220-plus rushing yards. And so that's a real positive. Uh, I still think the run game's going to be fine. They, they need to – sort of solve the issue of empty carries that they had in the first couple of games where they were kind of home run or strike out, right, in those games. It was right. either 60 yards or two. And so it is ULM, and we understand that. Uh, that is a rush defense, though, that came in allowing a pretty, pretty respectable four yards per carry. They weren't getting gashed week, 
week in and week out in their first couple of games. Um, so to see Alabama's five scholarship backs all rush for, what, 35 yards or more in the game? Mm. Uh, none of them averaged fewer than 6.7 yards per carry on Saturday. Uh, it kind of told you that they had more consistency in the run game, which you know we've continued to hear Nick Saban talk long and loud about. Yeah, Roy Dell Williams actually ended up leading the team with 60, excuse me, 58 rushing yards. That coming just on eight carries. Alabama ended up averaging seven yards a pop on the ground for the day, 39 for 273 net. So uh, a lot of action for those guys on the ground receiving-wise. Jameer Gibbs out in front again with 65 receiving yards, Travis, four catches. Of course, he had a touchdown as well. Uh, he, he is as advertised as a receiving threat. And he's just a guy that you don't really get caught up in one statistical category because you saw it again on Saturday. When you combine what he does as a runner uh, and then you look at what he does as a receiver, four catches, those 65 yards that you talked about, uh, averaged nine yards per carry, uh, running it, just had four carries in the game, and then the 57-yard kickoff return too. Uh, he puts it all into a big pot and, and makes it right. So, no, he has been, I think. Um, it's been good to see Jace McClellan perform at a level like he has. I thought it was encouraging to see Roy Dell bounce back from that fourth-and-a-half yard stuff against Texas, and it seemed like maybe there was a little extra something in his step in finishing runs on Saturday. So, uh, Jamarian Miller, too, man, the true freshman. He, he's Looks impressive. Good. When he's in there, you, you don't get to see him a lot, but you know he just averaged twelve point eight when he was in there on four carries on Saturday. So good stuff right now. Trey Sanders did some good things. Had a couple penalties there. Uh, you don't like to see that in the fourth quarter, but uh, no, those five backs. I think uh, between them, they had 11, 12 runs of ten yards or more. But, but between those guys. Speaking of penalties, what's going through Nick Saban's mind after a 15 penalty game against Texas to come out and get a flag right in the opening play against ULM? <laughs> you know that, that that's that's the first thing that comes up in uh, the Monday meeting. Right? Oh man, and that's their bread and butter run play too. That they were yeah. like, okay, we know we can run this because <laughs> Jace McClellan's hit it for 81 yards. Jameer Gibbs has hit it for 58. It's the outside zone to the right, so we're just going to come out runner bread and butter and uh they get a uh illegal formation penalty right out the gate but you know, i thought they did a better job certainly defensively they did will anderson still got penalized he lost a sack to a horse collar so um that was a tough one early in the game but you know offensively they still had a few even a couple of them they were flagged for tyler steen was hit with a holding call that i felt was kind of meh um, Javion Cohen was hit for a holding call where he essentially just pancaked a guy. Uh, it was declined. Uh, ULM didn't accept the penalty, but you know, I thought pass protection was, was good. Um, for the most part, I guess Bryce was sacked once and that was a coverage sack, um, two, just two tackles for loss for ULM in the game. So yeah, I, I thought for the most part, Alabama played pretty clean, uh, up front, and then from a penalty perspective as well. First turnover, we'll go ahead and flip it to defense now. First turnover turnover of the year for the Alabama defense, of course, a pick six by Will Anderson off a 
a deflected pass. So showed a pretty good reaction there, snatching that ball out of the air and taking it to the house. He had a big game for Alabama. DeMarco Hellams leads the way in tackles with nine, six of those of the solo variety. And uh, the pass rush in general um, definitely made quick work of this ULM offensive line. I thought the ULM offensive line was maybe the most overmatched unit on the field, Travis, uh, in, in this game. The pass rush was was all over uh, Chandler Rogers. Yeah, and I thought Rogers did a pretty good job, you know, with his ability to run that zone read and keep it. And they did hit a couple of plays where Alabama lost some leverage, more so on the edge. And, um, you know, on the 11-yard touchdown run, that was one of those plays. Uh, but for the most part, sure, uh, I thought Alabama more than took care of business in the front seven. I think as much as anything, you continue to go into that game Saturday and wonder a little bit about the perimeter at the corner positions. And, you know, it was Kool-Aid McKinstry and Terry and Arnold getting the starts at corner. And uh, I thought both held up well. I, look at it this way. Alabama was not flagged for defensive pass interference in the game. That's it's a pretty big victory in and of itself, good bread. Yeah, look, they play a lot of man. They play aggressive man. That's that's the way. That's what Nick Saban likes to do uh, at that at that corner position. And so you you almost expect Alabama to eat a couple of those fifteen yard pass interference play. That's the way they play football. And so to get in and out of a game clean in that regard, you knew that that would be trouble for uh, for the ULM pass offense. Uh, Eli Ricks not in the mix once again. We'll see what happens there. It. You, you, uh, you're, I'm quickly getting the sense anyway that, that this is going to be uh, an, a Terry and Arnold Kool-Aid McKinstry show here on a fairly regular basis going forward, Travis. Yeah, it's had the feel of that since uh, Texas. And so um, it's been hit and miss with Eli. The Constants uh, have been more Terry and Arnold and uh, also Kyrie here of late, and it's just looking more and more like Tarion's going to be harder and harder to get out of that lineup. He had a nice pass breakup early in the game on Saturday. Um, so that was a positive, and uh, it's a long season, though, and that's why I'd really, really be hesitant to write off any of these corners because we talked about it before. Just look at last season and kind of what the secondary was reduced to by the time you're you're playing for a national championship in the 15th game. All it takes is a, a tweaked ankle or a pulled hamstring or anything like that. And all of a sudden you're down to your third corner, your fourth corner uh, at, at a critical position. There's no doubt. Uh, Eli Ricks will be heard from in this season at some point. Question of It's a question of when and not if. Elsewhere defensively for Alabama, Travis, we saw Deontay Lawson uh, maybe get his most extensive action of the year at inside linebacker. Of course, he's working in that spot where Jalen Moody has been pretty effective this season. Uh, he's another guy, I think, uh, over the course of the season, uh, we may see him log uh, more action and more meaningful action. Yeah, I, I think that that's something they've been trying to do with him. As, as solid as Jalen Moody has been, it's obviously – it's obvious they really like Deontay Lawson. And I think there's a couple of reasons for it. First, I think he's pretty much ready right now to contribute in a significant way there at inside linebacker. But there's also next season to think about. 
you know, when you have Henry Toa Toa moving on and Jalen Moody moving on after this season, you mean I don't Jalen think Moody's not going to play a seventh year? Oh, geez, why not? <laughs> but no, it, I think you're looking at the potential for Deontay Lawson to be running the show from the mic next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interchangeable with those two spots inside. Um, and so I, I, that's a scenario I can envision. So from a couple of different perspectives, I like seeing him out there, not just when games are you know, put away and it's mop-up time. Get him in there and, and get him into flow of things within the plan and have him in mind when you're installing and uh, putting together the plan throughout the week. And there you have it. The Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network rolls on the Twitter feed, of course, talking underscore Tide. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors really quickly here before we move on for a look around the Southeastern Conference. Going to start telling you all about North River Dental Associates and that super service you get from Dr. Jack Smalley and his great staff of dental hygienists. Whatever your dental needs, porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, laser dentistry, endodontics, dentures, the always popular teeth whitening services. They'll get it done for you over at North River Dental. It's at 1100 Fairfax Park right off of Watermelon Road. They're going to get you in and out of that chair, in and out the door uh, in under an hour, typically with a routine cleaning. If you'd like to make an appointment, call 752-3506 or visit NorthRiverDentist.com. It's North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. The store is undergoing the Halloween transformation. That's right. Halloween just around the corner. They have the fall-oriented treats and the Halloween-oriented treats ready for you right now at Peterbrook Chocolatier. You got another home game weekend coming up in Tuscaloosa. They can certainly help you separate your tailgate, your watch party event from all others with those Alabama themed crimson tide themed chocolate treats there at Peterbrook chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Also never too early to get those Christmas orders in man need to go ahead and do that. If you're in charge of those corporate orders, 205-752-0211, they can do things specific for your specific needs and uh, do it in a timely fashion. Peter Brook chocolates here. DraftKings going to tell you all about them as well. The NFL action was uh, fantastic this week and it is just getting started. Get ready for touchdowns, big plays and bigger wins with the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Now this week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Use that promo code. It's TPPN, the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym, and they will get you taken care of on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Again, $5 bet on any team, $200 in free bets instantly. Uh, You can't beat that with promo code TPPN, only at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the National Football League. Finally, going to tell you about those outstanding earbuds from Raycon. Can't beat them. I've tried them. The look, the feel, the sound is fantastic. Optimized gel tips, perfect fit right in your ear. They do not come out. They'll hold tight for you. Eight hours of playtime, 32-hour 
battery life with these Raycons. You're not going to beat it. And they're about half the price of other premium audio brands. Over 50,000 five-star ratings, three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, and awareness mode. So go to Raycon.com today and use promo code TPPN15 and you'll get 15% off of your Raycon order. That's TPPN15 at Raycon.com and score 15% off your Raycon earbuds. And Travis, we'll go around the Southeastern Conference here to close things out as we typically do. We'll do it uh, in relatively quick fashion, but uh, let's see. Uh, Arkansas surviving a bit of a scare <laughs> against Missouri State with a fourth quarter of uh, 21 point fourth quarter for Arkansas in that one. A&M gets by Miami. Uh, you've got Florida nipping South Florida. That was that one was dicey, Travis. At the end of the game, you had South Florida uh, messing up a shotgun snap that that put them in a a really bad spot for a field goal, and you as an ex kicker. Uh, I, I, I know you pay attention to snaps and holds. And oh. Looked at me like a clean snap and a Perfect poor hold snap. was was uh, the downfall for those South Florida Bulls on the yeah. road in the swamp. And I'll give the South Florida kicker credit, man. As bad as that hold was, he yeah. still got it there from 48 yards away. It was just wide right. I don't even know how he got the ball really in the air. It was It was terrible, but. Boy, Anthony Richardson, you talk about helter-skelter at the quarterback position. A couple of just awful interceptions in that game for Florida. And I'll tell you what worries me for Florida with Tennessee coming up next, too. South Florida ran the ball for like 280 yards against that Florida defense. And so we think about Tennessee and Hennon Hooker and the passing game, but Tennessee, first and foremost, like a lot of these teams that spread the field these days, they want to run it first and foremost. Mm-hmm. So a couple of things, Hey, Florida through three games, I think two and one is something most of that fan base will take, but they've made it interesting. No doubt about it. Each and every week. No touchdown passes yet for Anthony Richardson and four mm-hmm. picks, a couple against Kentucky. I think a couple against South Florida. So definitely a shaky start for him. Uh, we had Penn state, Pretty much rolling right over Auburn. It was 14-6 at the half. It looked like Auburn was hanging in there. And then Penn State just punched the gas in that third quarter, and it was it was over. It was. And, look, that wasn't Blair Thomas or Kurt Warner or, uh, you know, Saquon Barkley in the backfield yeah. for Penn State. They got a really good freshman running back who did have a big game. So, not to take away from him and – you know, Sean Clifford, he's sort of an enigma with that fan base at Penn State. It's either really good or not so good with him behind center. But uh, he did his thing, and well, Auburn in a world of hurt right now. I don't know where they go at quarterback. Maybe Robbie Ashford is the guy moving forward because it's not going to work with Finley um, back there. Not so much even because of him, but they can't block. They can't block well enough. And if Tank Bigsby can't just go off almost on a weekly basis, they just don't really have the ability to compete on the offensive side of the ball. Finally, LSU 31, Mississippi State 16, worth a quick mention as well. Travis, that was a game Mississippi State led 16-10 through three quarters. And then then LSU just 
uh, kind of ran away with it at home uh, with a 21-point fourth quarter. Big win for Brian Kelly. Uh, that was one he had to have at home. Yeah, you know, we talked about the punt return team for Alabama. couple of games involving SEC teams on Saturday night, huge plays in the punt return where Mississippi State fumbled a punt return deep on its own end in a 16-10 to 10 game, set LSU up on a nine-yard field. LSU takes yeah. the lead and really just kind of rolls Mississippi State from there. Pirate, by the way, going for just about every damn fourth down. Even though he can't convert third downs, he's going for all these fourth downs. And then in the Miami-Texas yeah. A&M you know game, you had a big fumbled punt return by Miami in that game too. No doubt. And, and when we, you know, when we see teams get into that area of the field where they're, you know, somewhere between the 35 and the 45 of the opponent, you see a lot of those fourth down shots being taken. And, and, and I think at least two or three of those fourth down attempts for Mike Leach was, was in that range. However, he went for one of them on like his own 29 that's what or something. I, yeah, and I think right. early in the game. I mean, what is that about? That's, that's just smacks of desperation. Well, and arrogance. That's basically saying we're LSU now and LSU right. is Mississippi State. And you know what? <laughs> no. You're not. You got you ended up yeah. losing by, you know, 15 after you got rolled there in the fourth quarter. So if I'm a Mississippi State fan, that's a disheartening loss right there. In year three under Mike Leach, mm -hmm. and this is what we've sort of been building toward. You've been hearing people talk about Mississippi State as maybe the second-best team in the West. And yeah. uh, and then to lay that egg in the fourth quarter in the second half in general, that's that's a tough one for a State fan. And then especially with Ole Miss just looking really good there just up the road in Oxford. That was an impressive performance against a bad Georgia Tech team, but it was on the road. And you know what? I hear a lot of talk about who's the third best team in the SEC right now. I'll go Ole Miss. Good, well, Brad. Yeah. I'll go yeah. Ole Miss right now if you I had to pick tonight. That. You can argue I hear that. people talking I, about I, Arkansas, and Arkansas would be up there for me. LSU would still be up there. Kentucky yeah. would be up there. They'd all be in a group, Tennessee. I mean, yep. they're all sort of in a pool together. But I think it's amazing to me that Ole Miss is a team nobody really still talks about. It's like, well, they lost all those guys. And so, but you know what? Yeah. They they reloaded with some really good Power 5 transfers. 62 rushing attempts from Ole Miss and against Georgia Tech, Travis. A Lane Kiffin offense was 62 run. That was, a, that's a, that was tip a tip of the cap to Paul Johnson, the former Georgia <laughs> Tech coach, with those 62 bangers. Yeah. You know what, though? Ran Georgia right Tech, you know, you didn't like the triple option. You know, it was outdated. It was antiquated. Well, you know what you weren't doing? You weren't getting blasted 42 to nothing in your backyard by a mid-level SEC team with Paul Johnson. Don't get me on my Paul Johnson rant, all right? Jeff Jeff Collins is not long for that job. And, I, and uh, look, I think Jeff Collins is a good football coach. But if you think you're going to go into Tech – and run pro systems and think you're yeah. going to recruit at the level of Georgia and everybody else in the region, it's no. not – you've got to be different. you got to be different at Georgia Tech. Absolutely. I, 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 it, it crushed me uh, when 
the uh, triple option disappeared from, yeah, yeah. from Georgia Tech. I wish Paul Johnson. I'd love I love. At least sit- I wish Paul Johnson would have reappeared somewhere else. But it, you he know, must not yeah. want to because I somebody would have hired him by now. He he must just be done. Yeah. But I, I would love to sit with Paul Johnson and watch a game like Saturdays. Not because I think he would crow mm-hmm. or anything like that, but just to say, you know, or just to hear how this is what we had to do when we went up against teams like this, you know, that were clearly more talented. Like, he beat Dabo Sweeney. He beat Jimbo Fisher. He beat Kirby Smart. He beat Mark Rick. you know? Not seeing that anymore up on the flats. It. Yeah. No, they all they all hate going up against that triple option. We'll never mm-hmm. see Alabama as long as Nick Saban's coach. We won't see another triple option squad in Bryant Denny Stadium. I promise you that. I went to a high school game Friday night, and two teams that used to run the wing tee now both run spread. They run the you know today's offense, which is fine. Hey, you know they're good football teams. But after the game, I told my dad, I was like. Now is the time more than ever to go back to the wing tee because nobody mm-hmm. runs it anymore. It right. was the offensive choice just 10 years ago. 10 years later, no one runs wing tee in high school. I, Especially if I didn't have the horses, I'd be running wing tee and driving people nuts. Be worth two or three wins on the high school level right now, probably. A season. This is a hyper. This is a hyper local comment here because you and I are from Jacksonville, and and who knows how many of our listeners are. But I wonder if they're still running that wing tee at Baker County because they loved it there too, and they ran it well. I'll uh, tell you but, something. This is way inside between you and I, but one of the scores from last Friday night down in that area that blew me away. When we were into it down in that area 25, 30 years ago, Baldwin High School was a homecoming opponent every week. Baldwin yeah. smoked baker county friday night and i don't know that scene down there that area you know like i used to or we used to you think Uh, about that but anyway that's that's just that's just giving you a heads up on something that 30 years ago we never would have seen we we could tie that game to the sec right here damian postel former auburn running back yes baldwin Baldwin indians former florida gator was a offensive lineman at baker yes 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 we we can always tie it back yeah the defensive uh, end too that went from baker county to uh florida Eh, i forget his name already but yeah yeah you can tie all that there you have it all right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. For Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. Be sure to catch us midweek on Wednesday night. We're going to be previewing Alabama's upcoming game against the Vanderbilt Commodores. Until then, we'll talk to you soon.